some time ago when we were studying the book of 1 Timothy, Peggy Tucker, who is not with us this morning, she asked me if I'd ever preached a sermon on the five trustworthy statements given by the Apostle Paul in the book of 1 and 2 Timothy, as well as Titus, and I responded that I had not. She told me that that was one of her husband's, Sonny's, favorite sermons, and that he had preached that uh, during his time out at Chance's Crossroads. So I decided this morning that I would present the lesson on the five trustworthy statements, and Peggy's not here. <laughs> so um, I really appreciate Peggy. I know that most of you have gotten to know her, and she's been a, been a real blessing to the congregation here, been a blessing to us, her uh, husband, Sonny. I can remember preaching at Chances Crossroads, and he was always such an encouragement to me in, in my preaching. And since she's been here, she's been an encouragement to us. I know she's been a blessing to Paula because um, Peggy is uh, a preacher's wife. And so she's, she's been there, and she's had a lot of experiences, and she's, she's talked to Paula, and she's been an encouragement to her. So uh, let's... I don't know why Peggy's not here. She may have been one who decided to stay home as well, but uh, let's, let's be thinking about her. But um, this, is, this, is your pe this is your sermon, Peggy. I wish you would have came. <laughs> if I could tell you, if I could tell you five things, five things that are assuredly true, reliable, beyond all dispute and that are worthy of complete acceptance in every way without reservation, without hesitation, and without doubt. Would you listen? Five times Paul uses this expression. This is a trustworthy statement. At certain points, he adds, worthy of full acceptance. And if you look at the original language, what he means in using that reference, and you ask the question, well, this, this was an inspired apostle of, of Jesus. Aren't all statements trustworthy that are spoken under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Aren't they all worthy of full acceptance? Well, certainly they are. But for some reason, these had a, a, an impact upon Paul. And he wanted to share them with Timothy, who was a young preacher, and Titus, who was a young preacher. And he wanted them to understand and to internalize these truths and then share them with others. Five trustworthy statements. And I want to emphasize as we look at these that knowledge is power. The Bible can change your life. There is no body of literature that can transform the person that you are into the person that you should be as can the Word of God. There is power in the knowledge that is found in the scriptures. And when I see on five occasions 
Paul beginning with the statement, these are trustworthy statements. I know these can change my life. And these are truths to which I must continuously come back when I have lost my way. Number one, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. The key verse is verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. We're going to look at the, the passage in its entirety. But Paul writes in verse 15, It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now Paul is preparing Timothy for the work to which he has been called. He's encouraging Timothy to fulfill his ministry. He's encouraging Timothy to preach the word in season, out of season. Even when those to whom he preached are not going to be receptive to the message, he is encouraging him to fulfill the ministry to which he had been called. And there are going to be times when Timothy is going to struggle in that work. There are going to be times when Timothy will face discouragement. He'll face heartache. But in those times, Paul wanted Timothy to come back to this truth. Never forget, Jesus died for you. In verse 12 of 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul begins this section, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Can you say that of yourself? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done things that we should not have done. We've all transgressed in ways that if, if we were to put it out before the church, we would be ashamed. And yet very few of us have sunk to the depths as did the Apostle Paul. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord was, was more than abundant with the faith and the love which are found in Christ Jesus. It's a trustworthy statement. Deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Paul wanted Timothy to know where he had been. He wanted Timothy to have the same level of humility. And he wanted Timothy to understand where he could go. Yet for this reason I found mercy. So that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's a doxology. That is an expression of praise. When Paul considered who he was, when he considered what he had done, and when he considered now what God was doing with him, he said, I praise God. Whenever you feel yourself where you don't want to be, whenever you find yourself struggling, just remember, it's a trustworthy statement. Jesus died 
for you. The second trustworthy statement is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. And it begins in verse 1, this trustworthy statement, if any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Second point I would make, true kingdom leaders are needed. Here goes my plug. Last Sunday night of this month, we're going to begin a series. Workbooks are ready. We're going to be studying what the Bible has to say, not just about being elders and deacons or preachers or teachers, but just being leaders. About being those who are going to let their light shine in this world of darkness, who are going to be what people want to be and see what people want to see, those with commitment, common men and women with an un common faith. Let me tell you how this is going to go. We are going to have a Bible study. We're going to have a Bible study. I'll be teaching the study. But we're going to have a group of young men, boys, they're not men, they're boys. We're going to have a group of young boys who are going to come up here, they're going to lead singing, they're going to read scripture, they're going to lead prayer. You're one of them, aren't you, Camden? He's just grinning from ear to ear. And, and look at what Brother Thompson did for us. Can y'all see this up here? We've got, no, he didn't make that for me. We've, we've got a bigger podium and a smaller one. I got that idea from South Coleman because years ago we used to do this with the young boys and we had a little podium for them. So just think about the symbolism here, though. These, these young boys who are going to be engaged in this activity, they may someday be young men, older men, who are going to be teaching Bible class and reading Scripture and, and leading songs. Ryan put together the list. He gave it to me this morning. I said, Brother, I'm not going to have any time to do my thing. He's got 14 14 boys lined up. He said, well, I just felt like I needed to strike while the iron was hot. You ever known someone who, who does their job too good? Ryan's one of those guys. Greg was, I've never ha had anybody compliment, I've never heard of a compliment on, on a clean baptistry. Greg sent me this picture of this young boy baptized. He said, I have never seen a baptistry as clean as y'all. Well, it's Ryan. Ryan's the one who cleans the batch. So he does a good job. But he's got these young boys, and I want to encourage everyone to come out and encourage them. And I know you're thinking, well, the only reason you got them to do that is so they'll come out and listen to you. Well, okay, if it works, it works. <laughs> but, you know, I, I get excited about that, and I want to encourage the parents here. I want to encourage you to, to get these, these young boys and these young girls. We've got little girls here, too, that, that can be involved. Get them together and, and, and encourage them to spend time with one another. I was going through some old pictures the other day, and I've got pictures of, of Levi and Logan and Ethan and Connor going back. You know, I, I've known all of them since the day they were, was born. 
and, and they've been spending time together and, and they've grown up and I don't know four finer young men now. And I, I'll say that about all of our young disciples. We've got some young ladies. I, I don't know a, a finer group than, than what we've got here at, at Baldwin. And it's, it's the parents who are getting these kids together and are encouraging them. They, your young kids, I'm not going to have any more, but your young kids, you can get them together and help to encourage them so that someday you're going to see another very strong and active young group of disciples here in the church at Baldwin. And it'll be here before we know it. These young boys and these young girls, they're going to grow up before we know it. The ones who are in that young disciples class now, they're going to move on. But you can be working. True kingdom leaders are needed. If any man aspire to the office of overseer, it is a fine work that he desires to do. We need to be encouraging and teaching our children to live lives above reproach. We need to be reminding them of how important it is to marry the right person, to be temperate and prudent and respectable and hospitable. We need, to, we need to show them by our example what it means to be hospitable. We need to be teaching them the Word and encouraging them to spend time in the Word so that someday they'll be able to teach, not addicted to wine or or, or brawlers, or, but, but gentle and peaceable and free from the love of money. Someday they'll have households and, and they'll need to manage those households. Those are all the things that we need to be teaching. And you can see this in the qualifications of the elders and the deacons and the elders and the deacons' wives. We need to be building leaders. This is why churches don't have elders. It's because they never think about it. They, they, they think it's just going to happen. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes prayer. It takes encouragement of these young disciples. Third trustworthy statement. 1 Timothy chapter 4, key statement, verse 9. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. What is it? Godliness is profitable for all things. I like that word, profitable. That's an accounting word. In the business vernacular, if you do these things, you'll stay in the black. That may not work in a religious discussion because the black is darkness, and that generally brings to mind evil. But here are some things. You want your life to do well. You want your life to go well. Be a godly person. Be a godly man. Be a godly woman. And, and this is the person who lives in view of eternity. This is the person who loves God with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind. This is the person who wants to be a light in the world of darkness, as was Jesus. This is the person that wants to walk in the light of Christ. This is the person who wants to be like God. You go back to verse 6, and pointing out these things to the brethren, 
And you'll notice at the beginning of the chapter, he's writing of a time when there will be a falling away. There will be a falling away. And these are the things that you do to keep that from happening. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. That's almost insulting, isn't it? On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. You want to get exercised about something? Get exercised about being right in the eyes of God. You want to be disciplined? You want to exercise self-control? You want to train yourself? Train yourself for godliness. For bodily dis discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It's not just eternity. It's daily living. It's daily life where you're going to see a difference if you exercise yourself for godliness. It is a trustworthy statement. Verse 10, for it is for this we labor and strive. This is what we're working toward because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. God is at work for us. He worked in, in giving his son so that we could be forgiven of our sins, but he continues to work through us. And God wants to work in you. Godliness is profitable for all things. Number four, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, we see another trustworthy statement, and I sum it up here by saying that Jesus will forever remain faithful. He says more than just that. But that's something we need to hear, isn't it? You hear of those who become unfaithful because of the hypocrisy and the unfaithfulness of others. That's, that's one of the most effective tools in Satan's arsenal. That's, that's the hypocrite. It's the brother or the sister in Christ who doesn't live the way they should. It's the tares among the wheat. You need to get your eyes off them and get your eyes on Jesus. If we are faithless, verse 13, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remember, verse 8, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended of David according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. Paul was falsely accused. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who were chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it, eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement. Here we go. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. 
for he cannot deny himself. You may choose to become unfaithful, but you're not going to change God's scheme of redemption. You're not going to change where those who are faithful will spend eternity. You are making a decision. When you choose to fall away, you are making a decision. It hurts yourself. Don't. Don't ever forget this trustworthy statement. And then finally, moving to the book of Titus, the fifth trustworthy statement. And this is something we need to hear. We need to remind ourselves we're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. Now, why is that so important? If you haven't already experienced it, you will. After you become a Christian, you're going to go to work. You're going to get busy. You're going to read the Bible. You're going to study the Bible. You're going to pray. You're going to be seeking to encourage others to to come into the, the fold of God. But it's not going to be an easy journey. And you're going to start feeling inadequate. You're going to start feeling that what you do is never going to be good enough. Well, what have you forgotten? You have forgotten that no matter what you do, it's never going to be good enough. And that is why you needed and I needed a Savior to die on the cross so that we could receive what we do not deserve. That's grace. That's unmerited faith. Notice in verse 5, Titus 3. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. For the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God, look at this, will be careful to engage in good deeds. You see, sometimes we stop working because we feel that our work is not good enough. Again, your work's not good enough. But that's no reason to stop because you're saved by grace. You're saved to work. Saved by grace, but good deeds matter. These things are good and profitable for men, avoid foolish controversies. Beyond salvation by grace, get away from the foolish discussions and the genealogies and the strife and the disputes about the law, for they're unprofitable, they're worthless. Reject a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. There is work to do. But even when the work has been done, at the end of the day, as we say, you will have been saved by the grace of God. That's a trustworthy statement. It's faithful. It's assuredly true. It's reliable beyond all dispute. It's worthy of complete acceptance in every way without reservation, without hesitation, and without doubt. 
Live your life. Understanding that knowledge is power. It'll change you. If you're here this morning and you never obeyed the gospel, we always extend an invitation to those who have yet to do so. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you're willing to repent of your sins, to be baptized, to have those sins washed away, you can leave here this morning a Christian. If you're subject to the call, please come as we stand and sing.